It has been a great joy to me to serve as interim pastor at First Baptist Church here in Starkville for the last year. It's hard to believe I've been here a year. But our search committee is diligent in looking for God's man, and they have asked us to pray for them at 7 o'clock each morning during the month of July and to fast each Wednesday. And so I want to ask you to join me and the others who are praying for them and praying that they find God's man and fasting on Wednesday so that God will hear our prayer and that he will send the man of God that he wants to be at First Baptist Church in Starkville. And so we're praying for that. And I thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for joining us for worship here today. You know, as I look at our culture right now, it is apparent to me that fear is rampant everywhere. People are so afraid. The COVID, the surge in the COVID has created a, a situation where people are more afraid now than they were at the very beginning of the COVID thing to begin with. It's almost like there's a hysteria. And of course, media doesn't help it because they're constantly bombarding us with the number of people that have uh, new cases and the hospitalizations and all that kind of thing. People are just afraid. Not only that, but when you look at the culture and you see the civil unrest, you see the, uh, the violence, people are afraid and they fear for their lives. I had a friend who went to the uh, uh, sports store the other day uh, 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 looking for a gun. And uh, when he went in, he, he, he noticed that the shelves were bare. And he asked about a, a rifle, a certain particular rifle. And the man said, we're completely out. In fact, it was amazing. He said, they're out of most guns. And he went to another store. They were out as well. And uh, then he said he noticed that people were coming and going out of the store and they were carrying out ammunition by the caseloads. I mean, people are so afraid for their safety. In the midst of these days, I think if there's a message that is, necess that is needed is that we don't have to be afraid. We can trust God in the midst of all this. Chuck Swindoll made an interesting uh, observation. He said that fear creeps into our lives by a dozen different doors. And then he lists some of them. Fear of failure, fear of heights, fear of crowds, fear of disease, fear of rejection, fear of unemployment, fear of what others are saying about us, fear about moving, fear about height, depth, or distance, fear about being yourself. And he goes on and on with this list of the fears that people have. People are afraid of so, so many things. When I was growing up, the thing we feared more than anything else was tornadoes. We lived in what they would call Tornado Alley. And we had a storm cellar. And, and when there was a threat of a storm or a tornado, we got in that storm cellar. And there we felt secure and safe. In my house where I live in Brandon, we have had two tornadoes. One come on one side of us and one on the other side, knocking down trees in our yard. But praise the Lord, we, we were spared. I'm so grateful that WLBT and WAPT have Doppler radar because they can warn us when there's something coming like that. And so it, it's good to be afraid sometimes, but most of the time people fear things that they don't need to fear. I want us to look today at a scripture. It's a rather familiar scripture about Jesus being in the boat with his disciples when a storm came up and they were afraid. It's found in the Gospel of Luke and it's in chapter 8. And beginning at verse 22, we read, Now it came about on one of those days that he got into a boat, he and his disciples, and said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended upon the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. And they came to him and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. 
And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and he became calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? As we look at this passage of Scripture and think about this, this, I think, is an appropriate message for all of us because all of us experience storms in life. And we need to know that Jesus is a friend who stands with us and he will help us to overcome the, the storms in our life. The fact of the matter is, uh, the first thing I want you to understand is storms are going to come. You're going to have storms. All of us are going to have storms. I mean, they come on unbelievers. They come on believers. I mean, Christians are not exempt from storms. In this story, I mean, the disciples are followers of Christ, and yet they're in this storm. Not only that, when you think about it, Jesus is in the boat with them, and still the storm came. So the whole point is we need to realize that there are going to come times when our faith is tested, when there are times when we're going to go through storms. And many times they come quickly, they come unexpectedly. Uh, read a story, Warren Wiersbe was on Lake Gal the Sea of Galilee with a, in a boat, and he asked the captain, have you ever been uh, out here when a storm came? And the captain of the boat said, yes, and I hope it never happens again. He said, the normal storms on the Sea of Galilee have 20-foot waves. You can imagine how fearful that would be. And so what we find is that storms come on the Sea of Galilee, but they also come in our lives as well. And we never know exactly what, when they're going to happen or how they're going to happen. Maybe a telephone call. You get the phone, you answer the phone, and they say, I'm sorry to call you, but your child, we have your child down at the police station. Or maybe it's a phone and you answer it and your mom says, I'm sorry, your dad's gone. And all of a sudden, your world just kind of caves in. Or you may make a routine visit to, the, to, the, to your doctor for your annual physical, like a friend of mine last week. He went in, healthy, runner, I mean just everything, and the doctor says, well, we're running some tests and, and we need to do some other. The end result of it was he's going to have to have a heart valve replaced sometime in September. I mean, unexpectedly, but the storms come in the middle of it all. It may be that your spouse says, you know, we need to talk. And then you sit down to talk and your spouse says, I found somebody else. I'm going to be leaving. I mean, when these things happen, it's devastating. And uh, it's easy to be overwhelmed. And it's easy to, to uh, experience the fears and wonder if God has the power to overcome and, uh, and these storms in your life. And so uh, storms are going to come. We need to recognize that and we need to be prepared for it. Not only that, but fear is a natural response and reaction to storms, things over which we have no control. As I thought about this story, I got a feeling that these disciples did everything that they could to, to man that ship. I mean, they worked feverishly, I'm confident. But there came to a point when they said, you know, we can't handle this. And so then they wake up Jesus and say to him, Lord, we are, are, don't, do, you, do you realize that we're perishing? And so in their desperation, they finally wake him up. Jesus was asleep, and, and I, I know a little bit about that. I mean, he'd had a hard day of teaching. When you read chapter 8, what you'll find is that uh, he's done the, uh, uh, the, a lot of the parables, and, and he's done some other. He went from town to town. He's worn out, and so he went to sleep. I say I can identify with that because many, for a number of years, I did three sermons every Sunday morning and then another one on Sunday night. And I can tell you, 
after I ate lunch on Sunday, I wanted to, to lie down and take a rest, and I did. And so Jesus is asleep, but they wake him up, and I think it's interesting, when you look at the Mark account, the parallel account, what they say to him is, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? In other words, their idea about it is, you don't even care that we're, we're, we're going through this. And sometimes I wonder if maybe you and I may feel like that as well, that God doesn't really care, but he does. And, and, and we're so much like the disciples. What we find is they worked as hard as they could. They were going to overcome this thing. And then as a last resort, they had to wake Jesus up. You know, a lot of times you and I wait to the last resort to pray. But prayer should be our first resort, not our last resort. If we pray and seek the face of God, then we have a different perspective because we understand God's on our side. We understand that we don't have to be afraid of storms because He is with us, and the storm actually makes us draw more closely to Him. Fear is a natural human response to danger. And some fear is healthy, but there's a lot of fear that's not healthy. A lot of people, you know, uh, have an un unhealthy fear. Fear is healthy when it alerts us to danger. For example, fear keeps us from driving too fast. Fear keeps us from getting too close to the edge uh, of, of a cliff, uh, like some of these folks out at the uh, Grand Canyon, and they've fallen off. I mean, fear says don't do that, and, and that's legitimate. I read somewhere that we are born with basically two fears a fear of falling, and a fear of loud noises. And according to that author, the rest of the experiences of fear are learned behavior. We learn to be afraid of things. And, and unhealthy fear uh, comes to us in the form of what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? And, and, and you, you can think of all kinds of things. I went on the internet, and you can do the same thing, and under a phobia, phobia is another word for fear, and discovered that there is a fear for every letter of the alphabet except Q and Y. But when you look at it, what you'll find is ablotophobia, ablotophobia is fear of washing or bathing. Basiliophobia is a fear of microbes. Cacophobia is a fear of ugliness. Decidiophobia is a fear of making decisions. Ecclesiophobia is a fear of church. Febre Phobia is a fear of fever. Galeophobia is a fear of cats. Hedophobia is a fear of hell, and on and on it goes. The whole point is that a lot of these phobias are, are just uh, outlandish in a, in a manner of speaking. In her book, Tame Your Fears, Carol Kent lists some of the most enslaving fears that people have. Among them, she says, are paralyzing phobias, potential disasters, losing control, revealing who I really am, disappointing people, a fear of disappointing people, and a fear of rejection. Now, all of these things that work against us create an unhealthy thing. Fear makes us unhappy. It binds us, and the effects are always debilitating and disruptive. Fear undermines our health. A good example of that is found in the book of Job. Job, of course, was going through all kinds of experiences, physically and otherwise, and here's what he says in, in uh, chapter 4 and verse 14 and 15. Fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face and the hair on my body stood on end. I don't know if 
if you've said it, but I've said it a thousand times, you know, different situations. Boy, my hair just stood on end because of the situation that we were in. What we find then is fear's real. And a lot of times we are afraid of things that we don't need to be afraid of. And number two is when we do have and face legitimate fears, we have someone who can help us and be with us, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our friend. And so the opposite of fear is faith. Faith is the supernatural response to the storms of life. Some storms come into our lives and they test our faith. In this passage, Jesus says to the disciples, where's your faith? I mean, the disciples questioned Jesus. Don't you know or don't you care? But their faith was being put to the test. Warren Wiersbe made this comment about this statement. He said, the disciples looked around and saw danger. They looked within and saw fear but they failed to look up by faith and see God. And then he makes this statement, faith and fear cannot dwell in the same heart. Faith and fear are opposites. When we have faith, we do not have to have fear. Jesus challenged them to have faith. He says, where's your faith? The implication is, why didn't you call me sooner? Or perhaps he's saying, why are you worried when I'm with you? You don't have to be afraid. We need to trust Jesus in the storms of our life as well. Great verse of scripture you need to memorize out of the Old Testament, Psalm 27, 1, where it says, The Lord is the light, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid because God is with us. And our faith overcomes our fear because we know that Jesus is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is with us in the storms of life. He was with the disciples here. He's made the promise that he's going to be with you and me. He says in the end of Matthew, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And in John 14, there's a very wonderful scripture that, uh, where Jesus promises a comforter. In John 14, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Look at the last verse. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now look back again at the context. I will ask the Father, and he will send you another comforter. But he ends by saying, I am going to be with you. I will come to you and I will not leave you. The Spirit of God and the person of Jesus are one and the same in the sense that it is the presence of God to give us courage and give us strength as we face the trials in our life. And so God's Word offers us tremendous encouragement. You know, the Old Testament offers a, uh, 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 some verses as well. One of them is Isaiah 41.10. Listen to what it says. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I mean, what that scripture is saying is in the middle of the difficulties and the challenges, the storms that you face, God is saying, I am right there with you. So you do not have to fear because he is going to give us his strength. We have the same promises in the New Testament. In the book of Romans, Paul writes, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Through the Spirit of God, 
Uh, we are adopted into God's family. And so then we can say to God, Abba, Daddy, and, and God is right there. We know that he's with us. Paul makes another uh, great statement in the book of 2 Timothy. He says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And so we can face our challenges without fear by putting our faith and trust in Jesus into the promises that he's made, but also in the power that he's demonstrated. Go back again to our story. When they wake Jesus up and say, we're perishing, Jesus gets up when he's aroused and he rebukes. It says he rebukes the wind and the surging waves. He rebuked the wind and the water, and the disciples noticed that the power of Jesus was overwhelming to the point that it says that they were fearful, that's reverent awe, and they were amazed. And they asked the question, who then is this person? He is sovereign over all elements. And the disciples were amazed by that. Here's what I understand from that, that, that section. And that is, God does not promise exemption from trouble but he does promise protection in the midst of the trouble. That is true here in the New Testament. It's true also in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 43, there's a great passage where God makes this promise. He says in verse 1 through 3, But now this is what the Lord says, He who cre created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the, your, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What is so interesting to me is that he makes that declaration in verse 2, Fear not. And then he goes on to say, When, three times, when, you, the water comes. When you go through the rivers, when the blaze comes. In other words, it's not if we recognize that we're going to go through times of difficulty and challenge, but God is there with us, and that is the wonderful comfort and assurance that we have. When we face trials, we need to go to Jesus because he is never afraid. He has the power to overcome, and not only that, but he is with us, and he is the prince of peace, and he is the conqueror of death. And so faith is what we need instead of fear as we face our days today. I mean, all kinds of things are happening around us, and, and, and none of us really know what's going to happen next. But we don't have to be afraid of it because we're trusting that God is in control, and he is. Now, I think one of the things we need to do is to realize that sometimes God allows things to happen in order to help us. <laughs> a, a weird illustration of this came to me, and that is about lightning. You know, some storms are, in, are, 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 are to help us, and, and, and so it is with lightning. I read about this scientist who was talking about lightning and the value of it. Now, I'll be quite honest with you, I, I've yet to meet a person that really likes lightning. I, I, don't, I mean, I avoid lightning. It's, it's, it's dangerous as far as I'm concerned. But this scientist pointed out that uh, nitrogen is vital to plant life, but it is extremely inert. And so the question then is, how does God get the nitrogen out of the air and into the soil? 
Well, the scientist said he does it with lightning. 100,000 bolts of lightning strike the earth every day, creating 100 million tons of usable nitrogen plant food in the soil. And so the storms that frighten us are actually helping us as it helps to provide food for us. Just a, a weird kind of an illustration of, you know, and we don't always know. God's using, he's working in ways we don't understand. Sometimes things happen and it strengthens us, but we don't particularly like it. I, I read a story Bob Benson told about a friend of his who had a heart attack. And so he was talking with his friend and he said, uh, how'd you like it? He said, I didn't like it. Scared me to death, nearly. And then he asked him, well, would you do it again? The man said, no. He said, would you recommend it? He said, definitely not. And then he said, does your life mean more now to you than it did before? And the fellow said, yes. He says, you and Nell have always had a beautiful marriage, but now are you closer than ever? To which the man said, yes. He says, do you have a new compassion for people, a deeper understanding and sympathy? And he said, yes. He said, do you know the Lord in a richer, deeper fellowship than you've ever realized possible? And the man said, yes. And so Benson asked him again, how'd you like your heart, heart attack? And silence was the answer. The whole idea here is, if we are willing to trust God, God can help us and use those hard experiences in life to teach us and to grow us and help us to become more of what He wants us to be. But we have to trust Him to do this. I read a story about Dale Moody. A lady came up to Dr. Moody and said, uh, Dr. Moody, I found a wonderful promise in, in, in the Bible. And he said, which... What, what verse? And she said, Isaiah 56, 3. What time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. And then Dr. Moody said, let me give you one better. Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. In other words, before you ever get to be afraid, you trust God. And when you do that, you don't have to be afraid. Both of them great verses. But I think Dr. Moody was correct in saying the second one, Isaiah 12, 2, is the stronger. You know, I've had uh, through these years, I've had, I don't know how many times people have said something like this to me. I don't know what people do who don't have God in their life in times like this. And you know, that's a good thought. What do people do when they face the trials in life and they don't have the spiritual support of those who know God, that know Jesus? I mean, are you facing your difficulties today? Do you have the Lord? Do you know Him as your strength in your life? I sure hope and pray that you do. But if you don't, I can tell you this, you can. You can have Him in your heart and in your life, and you can know Him to be the strength and the encouragement uh, that nobody else can give. What is necessary is for you to invite Him in. And in order to do that, the Bible teaches us that we first of all have to acknowledge that we need Him. We have to admit our sin, and then once we have admitted our sin, then we say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I turn from my sin. I repent, and I ask you to come take control of my life, live in me. And he comes to live in you. That's what Jesus promised. He said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to send you another comforter. He will be with you, and he will be in you. And that's where Jesus wants to be in all of our lives today. He wants to be in us, not just with us, but in us to enable us and to empower us to overcome the things in our life. If you've never given your heart and life to Christ, 
then I encourage you, by all means, do it today. Acknowledge your sin, repent, and turn to Jesus. Ask Him to be Lord in your life. And if you do that, then we want to help you because there's some next steps. The Bible calls that a new birth, and babies need help to grow. In order for you to receive the help that you need, if you'll punch the connect button, then that will put you in touch with some friends who will guide you from the Bible, not just you know what the church teaches, but what the Bible says about your next steps in growing in Christ and becoming all that God wants you to be. Now, I realize that most of you are have the Lord in your life already, but it may be that you have allowed fear to come into your life because you have not been walking as close to the Lord as you should. There are a number of things that can interfere with our spiritual life, and, and, and you may have allowed some, some things of the world to infiltrate your mind and in your heart, and what you need to do today is to renew your trust in God, renew your commitment to Him, and ask Him to give you strength. Perhaps you need someone to encourage you, and if you do, then we, we'd ask you, punch that connect button. Speak with one of our helpers and let them pray with you and pray for you and help you to know what the next steps are for you in your life. Here's what I know. God does not want you to live in fear. He wants you to live victoriously, and you can live victoriously by putting your faith and your trust in Him. And so right now, I want to just pray with you, pray for you, pray for all of us, and pray that God will help us as we go through these trying times. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do acknowledge that you and you alone are God. And in your wisdom, you saw fit to make us. You made us for fellowship with you. But Lord, we have sinned against you. We've rebelled against you, and we are so sorry. Forgive us for our, our rebellion and for our sin. And Father, thank you for making a way back to you through faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you that Jesus is now living in the heart of all believers and that he is the strength that they need to face the trials of life. And so, Lord, I pray that even today, and, and I know that people are facing different kinds of storms and different kinds of trials, but, Lord, there are some things that we're all facing together in this nation. That's this COVID and that's the, the uh, unrest and the division. Lord, g give us the strength to overcome these. And I pray for you to, to act. Lord, help us to put our trust in you and to walk with you day by day. Lord, continue to guide and direct us and use us so that we can bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.